Welcome to another ABI podcast of a conversation with a respected figure in the insolvency world regarding topics of interest to insolvency professionals. I'm Felicia Turner, the Deputy Executive Director of the American Bankruptcy Institute. Today we conduct our last in a series of podcast conversations with presidents of various organizations of prominence in the insolvency community. For this installment, I'm speaking with Carrie Ebert, the current president of the National Association of Consumer Bankruptcy Attorneys, which is known as NACBA. Carrie is a partner with Ebert Law Offices PC in Fort Worth, Texas. She has been practicing for over 20 years, and her practice is 100% consumer and small business bankruptcy law. She graduated cum laude with honors in public policy from the Newcomb College of Tulane University, and she received her law degree with Board of Barrister Honors from Texas Tech University School of Law in Lubbock. Before becoming president of NACBA, she served two terms as the vice president, and she has previously served as the president of the Northeast Tarrant County Bar Association. She is a frequent lecturer on bankruptcy issues across the country. Thank you for joining me today, Carrie. Well, thank you for having me, Felicia. We're glad to talk to you and get the um, views of the NACBA president as well as your personal views. Why don't we start by you telling our listeners about NACBA, about its history and its membership, its purpose, and, and how it serves its members. Well, NACBA, the National Association of Consumer Bankruptcy Attorneys, was formed in 1993 by a small group of attorneys out in California, Ike Shulman being one of the, the founders of the organization, along with Norma Hammes and others. And it really began when bankruptcy attorneys realized that the Congress was looking at changing bankruptcy laws and had commissioned the Bankruptcy Review Commission to go out and find out more about what's going on in the bankruptcy world and use that as a means of directing legislation which ultimately resulted in the 2005 Act. And this group of people uh, started this organization, which has now grown to over 3,500 members. We have attorneys from all 50 states, including uh, Puerto Rico. We have a governing board, which is the the board of directors, which is... um, consist of nine attorneys from all over the country. Um, We have um, an annual convention every year this year, in 2009. It's going to be in Chicago, May 29th through the 31st. Give a little plug for that. Uh, We have also a mid-year meeting in October or November that's a workshop for NACPA members only. in order to be a NACBA member, you have to verify or swear, so to speak, that you are a an attorney that primarily represents consumer debtors. And we have members who are bankruptcy trustees, Chapter 13 trustees. Uh, we have judges, professors. We have a broad spectrum of membership. And... 
we're the only organization that's solely focused on consumer bankruptcy and the rights of consumers and the needs of consumer bankruptcy attorneys. What else would you like to know about NACPA? I was just going to ask a follow-up question. Your fall conference is just for the NACPA members, but your um, conference, your big one, the annual one in May, that's for anyone can sign up, whether they're a member or not? Absolutely. Any, anyone who's interested in insolvency issues is welcome to attend our conference. And we have a lot of creditors attorneys who attend every year. Um, we have... Uh, a large number of vendors who, who come and uh, we have a uh, exhibition hall where they are provided booth space that they provide our members with information on products that assist them in their practice or assist their clients. We have uh, workshops. Um, we it's similar to uh, what ABI does, we have different tracks that, that some for beginners and, and then for um, more advanced practitioners. And that also follows through on our workshop. Our workshop has a, a basic bankruptcy track for n new practitioners or um, paralegals. And then we have um, an advanced track or a litigation track or a technology track, depending on the focus of that particular workshop. I'm just curious, what is your turnout usually? I'm sure it's pretty big. For our workshops, we we have around 500 attorneys attend the workshop. Mm -hmm. And for our convention, we've had as many as 1,200 people attend our convention. And we're expecting with 3,500 plus members, and that's, we're averaging 100 new members a month. Um, we're fully expecting to sell out our convention this year, so if anyone uh, waits too long, they may not be able to may may not be able to attend. It's mm -hmm. going to be I'm sure with everything um, going on that it's going to be a big year for your convention. It's going to be a big year for us. Yes. Let me ask one more follow-up question about your membership. You said they have to certify in some form that they primarily represent consumer debtors, but you did say that judges and Chapter 13 trustees are the like are members too, so there must be some kind of exception for them. There is, and without having that, you know, I've been a member for 18 years, so it's mm -hmm. been a long time since I've had to had to really look at that, but I'm going to look at uh, what that is. You have to be um, an attorney. You can either be an active or retired bankruptcy judge, a bankruptcy trustee, a bankruptcy court clerk, or an academic or agency member that's not engaged in private practice. And the only way you're excluded from membership is if you engage in the private practice of law and are not primarily representing, and you, and you must not primarily represent creditors against consumer debtors. Mm -hmm. I understand. So I guess that's the best way to describe it. Okay. And how long have you been president? A month. Just a month. I started in January. So how much um, time is it taking you already for just a month? Well, I, I would say given we have been very busy with our legislative committee and the mortgage modification bill, it's probably taking about 20 hours a week of my, of my time right now.
And I think that's that's an abnormal time frame. Well, your whole year might be abnormal given everything that's going to be going on. You're absolutely right about that. There is no way of predicting what's going to happen next, but I know that in my own personal practice we're extremely busy. The needs of our members are tremendous. Our clients take an inordinate amount of time to to get through a, a bankruptcy, and it, it's bankruptcy is a time-consuming practice right now. Well, before we move on to some specifics, let me ask you one more general question, um, if my understanding is correct. The ABI itself is nonpartisan and doesn't take lobbying positions, but do I understand correctly that NACPA does take positions? Yes, we do. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk about BAPSEPA a little bit. You, you know better than anyone that it included many significant changes to consumer bankruptcy law, such as the means test and the credit counseling and debtor education requirements, the debt relief agency provisions, changes to exemptions, and many, many other things. And these had a dramatic effect on the potential and the actual debtors, and we saw the filings just skyrocket before the effective date and then drastically drop thereafter. And now here we are three and a half years later in the midst of a recession and 2009 filings are expected to be record-breaking. So all of these changes by BAPSEPA also had a dramatic effect on you and your members as attorneys who represent consumer debtors. If you can tell our listeners how some of these changes affected or caused you to change your practice, I think they might find that interesting. You know, I think that when the 2005 Act went into effect, NACPA was really at the forefront of helping our members be educated about the changes and the effect it was going to have on their practice and how to, how to deal with that as painlessly as possible. You know, a lot of attorneys just simply left the bankruptcy practice altogether. Mm-hmm. There was so many new provisions, there were so many changes that were completely foreign to so many members and so many practitioners that they just said, you know, I'm, I'm too old to learn, this dog's too old to learn new tricks and I'm out. And our goal at NACBA was to try and educate these people to not give up on the bankruptcy practice and it was rough. It was really rough. Our members suffered tremendously that in 2006 because the filings were dramatically down and you had to relearn everything that you'd ever known. And I think all the fears that we had about how difficult it was going to be and how hard it was going to be for our clients to, to get through the process, for the most part, have been diminished. The, the practice has changed in terms of planning the the filing and by planning, I mean getting your client successfully completed a, a credit counseling briefing session, making sure that you have all of your paperwork ready, which includes you know pay stubs, tax returns, means test, and in some jurisdictions, much much more verifying verifying information on a much higher level. Those things take a lot more time. The irony is. I don't know that the 2005 Act has made a significant impact in forcing many debtors into Chapter 13 that we thought it would. I think overall most people are still eligible for 
the relief that they need, whether it is Chapter 7 or Chapter 13. But as a result of that and the, and the work that NACPA's done, particularly in our amicus uh, arena, we have, we have really done above and beyond to help our members cope with the changes in the law and judicial decisions that have been coming out and how that's impacted our practice as well. Yeah, I've heard a lot of positive things about the practical tools that NACPA provides to its members. Do you and personally or NACPA have an opinion on whether the Obama administration and Congress should or could, practically speaking, repeal portions or all of BAPSIPA? I know that President Obama, when he was campaigning, spoke on numerous occasions about changes to the bankruptcy code. How, that, how that's going to translate into practical effect, I have no idea. Congress is not one to change things or to really pass legislation in any kind of fast-paced manner. It took them eight years to actually pass bankruptcy code changes, and most of that was because NACPA led the fight to keep that from happening. NACPA doesn't, at this point, have any agenda for repealing the Bankruptcy Act of 2005. Our only focus right now is the mortgage modification bill and getting that passed. I think that is our highest priority to help our clients save their homes and allow bankruptcy courts to modify mortgages in Chapter 13. And we've been working on this legislation for the last two years. It, it was, this bill has been proposed in the last two Congresses and hopefully with a new administration backing it. I'll be very anxious to hear tomorrow when President Obama announces his housing recovery plan if, if he's going to be supportive of the mortgage modification bill and include it in his package. Yeah, I think from everything I understand that he's definitely supportive of it. And I know last year it died on the Senate floor in April, but it seems to have much more likelihood of going through this year. If, if it does go through, do you have, I know you can't predict, but how massively do you think this is going to affect the filings? Or maybe you can just talk even particularly about your district. You know, I don't know that it will massively affect filings. All these people who are already facing foreclosure have financial difficulties. It's a very small, finite number of people who would be eligible for relief under this act, under this, under this bill. So to say that Everyone who has a mortgage would want to run out and file bankruptcy would be ludicrous. I think that people going into bankruptcy, the people we see, it's not just a housing problem. It's credit card problems. It's medical bills. It's still all the same things that drove them into bankruptcy to begin with. This is just another vehicle that will allow them 
to successfully recover and retain, typically for most people, the only real asset that they have. And I think filings are going to go up regardless of whether or not this bill passes. I think it will strictly be another tool that debtors' attorneys would be able to use to help their clients successfully get through Chapter 13 because part of the problem that we have now is they need the relief to try and save their home, but with their the type of mortgages that they have, they can't make their current mortgage payment and an additional payment in a Chapter 13 because of an escalating payment or it's already escalated past their their ability to pay. And that, I think that's why in most areas of the country you're not seeing a corresponding increase in filings based you know based on the foreclosure rate. We Tarrant County where I practice we've had a very high foreclosure rate but we have not had a significant increase in chapter 13 filings because it simply doesn't work for them. Mm-hmm. And do you do you see there being a lot of litigation issues should this go through over issues such as eligibility for the relief? I would hope if the bill is crafted properly that those things would be specific enough that we wouldn't have to litigate that. It it stands to reason that mortgage companies and mortgage servicers are going to find, you know, they have good lawyers and they're going to look at this to determine whether or not they need to challenge a particular debtor's eligibility and or valuation, interest rates. Just like when the 2005 Act came into play, there was a, there's been a lot of litigation about various provisions of the code. And eventually, everything kind of gets flushed out in their particular district and how judges are going to treat certain things. And I don't think this would be any different. I think ultimately there will be a, an initial flurry of litigation and it just kind of works itself out. We have, um, to give a little plug for the ABI as well, we actually have a book ready to go to print called Chapter 13 and 13 Chapters and we're holding it, waiting to see what happens with this legislation so it'll be the most up-to-date. But um, it'll be a very practical guide. It's written by um, William McLeod, who's up out of the Northeast area. I don't know whether you've ever met him before. I do know him. Yeah, so he's written the book, and Gina Thomas um, has served as the editor. He used to be a Chapter 13 trustee. But it's a very basic guide that um, would be too basic for you probably, but beginning attorneys or, or even clients that could read and see how the whole Chapter 13 process works. But we're hoping to wait to see what happens with this legislation and, and add that. Well, likewise, our members have, have asked us you know, what we're going to do if, if, if this passes. And obviously, that will be something that we're going to address right away. We have um, FastCase, who provides a free legal research benefit to all of our members, has the technology for us to do a, a webcast mm-hmm. to members, and we will put on a probably like a one-hour webcast where our members can log on and, and learn how to deal with the new bill and, or to the new legislation if it passes. So we, we're in the planning stage to have that ready to roll out, but 
I'm not counting any chickens until they're hatched. Well, I'm sure it makes planning for your May meeting especially challenging. Well, we've we've had to do that before mm -hmm. when uh, when the 2005 Act uh, went into it was passed in April, and our our convention was in early May. We had to do a major turnaround on our program. Mm -hmm. So we, we have, we've done that before and this wouldn't be a major turnaround and we're not talking about the repeal of a, of an entire bankruptcy code, but it certainly will be, um, we'll, we'll certainly have something in our program that will address, address all this. Well, with the mortgage crisis and the recession and a new presidential administration, administration and the pending legislation, you certainly have a lot on your plate this year as the president and the organization itself. Is there anything other than what we've discussed already that you'd like to tell us about NACPA's goals or agenda for 2009 or, or your personal goals of what you'd like to accomplish as president? Well, my, my personal goals that I would like to accomplish as president is to continue to, to grow our membership and one of the one of the things that we've we've focused a lot on and that's been very important to our members is our amicus project. We have Tara Twomey who is our amicus director and she she handles inquiries from members regarding cases that are working their way up the appellate ladder. We have filed numerous briefs uh, as a amicus party, we have a number of briefs that are available to our members online uh, in our members-only area of our website for them to use at the trial court level as well as at the appellate court as a as a basis or a a framework to formulate their arguments for a number of different issues that have come out uh, in the last few years. And we've been active in the circuit level appeals and have been very successful in promoting NACPA's view of how certain provisions should be applied. And we want to continue in that respect. That's one of our, our main areas of focus, obviously, our lobbying efforts, we just had our Capitol Hill meeting where we had over 150 members attend our Washington, D.C. event, which is the largest we've ever had. And it was extremely successful. And I, that was one of my personal goals. And before this um, meeting, I had challenged our board to make sure make make a hundred members a goal and we well exceeded that by 150 so I was I was thrilled with that and I hope to next year increase it even more um, and goals in general um, I think of are the same every year we want to ed educate our members with the most up-to-date information and in the bankruptcy community, and I think we've we've been the forefront in, in that regard and continue to put on exceptionally well-respected 
programs. I think we um, have um, one of the most recognized consumer programs in the country. And really, prior to NACPA, there really was not much of a focus on the, on the consumer practice. And that I think that niche has been filled by our organization. Let me ask you, and I'm kind of jumping back to some of the things we were talking about in the beginning, are there chapters or regional divisions or something like that of NACPA? We do not have chapters. We, have, we do have state chairs. Okay, that's what I'm thinking of. Okay. Yes, we have state chairs, and the state chairs uh, are a liaison between the board of directors and our members throughout the country, and we have a monthly meeting with our state chairs to talk about things that are going on in their particular area, uh, what NAC is doing, whether it's legislative, educational, uh, member benefits, and we talk about all these things, and we have the state chairs communicate with their members on the local level, and that's how we learn about cases that may be going through the system that we didn't know about, that we want to be involved in, um, local rules committees. You know, John Rayo, who's on the board of directors, who's mm-hmm. with the National Consumer Law Center, he is on the rules committee. And he's very active in commenting on rules. He's, he's been a tremendous asset to our organization and has done a, a great amount of work in that regard. You know, we have people doing all sorts of things in the bankruptcy arena that aren't just directly related to NASA. And our state chairs help, help get that information out to our members. If we need... We have a lot of media requests, and I'm sure you know ABI, the same thing. Reporters wanting to put a face or a, an, a human face to a story. And we will call our state chairs and have them help find someone that they can, they can meet with, that sort of thing. So it's, um, they do a, a great service for our organization, and they're kind of, at the grassroots level for NASA. Yeah, that's definitely what I was recalling because I remember um, some of my friends in Georgia either still serve as that or or didn't. And that's exactly why I was thinking there were chapters or something like that. But that makes sense. It's a great way for you all to keep your pulse on what's happening on the ground. Exactly. And we've we've encouraged um, a number of our state chairs have created their own state listserv. Mm -hmm. NASA has a has five or six listservs through our organization that we we control. And then the state chairs have been encouraged to start their own state listserv to talk about local issues. And, it, and that has been uh, extremely successful for them as well. I think it's one of the best things you can provide to the consumer debtor attorneys is just a forum for discussion? Well, particularly when most consumer attorneys are solo or small practitioners. Mm-hmm. That, that's one of the biggest challenges about practicing consumer bankruptcy laws. You don't have 
a partner many times and you rely on the good graces of your colleagues to mentor you or to help you along the way. And our listserv has been a, tr a tremendous asset for all of our practitioners. Um, a lot of our NACPA members call it being a member of the firm, and they refer to NACPA as the firm. And I, I think that's terrific. I mean, it, the camaraderie and the um, collegiality we have among our members is really, really nice. And they're all from different backgrounds, and they don't all have the same political viewpoint, um, but they all um, respect each other. And our convention, it, it has gotten really large, but when we were when we were smaller group, it was like it was like a club. Mm -hmm. Everybody knew everybody, and that kind of camaraderie was really uh, one of the things that I think drew people to NAPA. And and I don't think that that's really changed. It's just not um, it's just bigger, mm -hmm. and I and I I still love that about NAPA. Eighteen years later, I still love that. Well, you've obviously been of great service to NACPA and, and will be this year, and you've made a very nice reputation for yourself nationally as a consumer attorney, so I applaud you for that. Well, thank you very much. Oh, well, you're welcome. Um, before we conclude, is there you know, just anything you would like to add for our listeners? I assume there are going to be other consumer debtor attorneys and judges and bankruptcy practitioners from both NACPA's membership and ABI's membership. Um, just any last words you would like to say to them? Well, I think anyone who's a member of the ABI or of NACPA should be commended for participating in an organization that has their interests at heart. You know, ABI, y'all do a tremendous job and have a fabulous website. Uh, NACPA has um, been working on their website, and hopefully someday it will look just as great as yours. But I think uh, every practitioner who takes the time and effort to be a member of, of that type of organization gets so much out of it in terms of education, um, business connections, knowledge of, of what's going on on a day-to-day -day basis. And if they're not a member, then they need, they need to look into it. It's well worth the small fee relative to what you get out of it to join. So I, I would encourage attorneys to go to NACPA.org and consider, not, consider whether or not they want to be a member. Well, thank you very much for joining me today, Carrie. I've enjoyed talking with you, and I know our listeners will find this informative. I mean, I wish you the best as you continue to serve the consumers in such a helpful way. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. From the American Bankruptcy Institute, this is Felicia Turner, and thank you for listening.